This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your loving kindness towards us. And we say thank you. Lord, help me uh, this morning. And Lord, help us to be good listeners. And Lord, help us to not... uh, fall into the trap and think that the message is for someone else. Lord, that we know that the message is for us. We say thank you in Jesus' name, amen. A couple, uh, I told you last week, after I preached the message, this lady didn't really listen. She just wanted to know which tribe I was from. Uh, I've had other instances like that where um, people after the message will say something like totally different than what I was attempting to say, the Holy Spirit was trying to say through me. Uh, So let me just encourage you to to put on your um, spiritual thinking cap and ask the Lord what is he speaking to you about this morning. So I do want to start off with a question. I was hoping Ross would be up here, but um, so, and then you can give out an answer, okay, because I'm going to ask you a question. So the question is, what do you think the hardest sport to mentally is to play? Mentally. Anybody? Golf. Golf? Okay, I can see that. Uh, <laughs> did he say NASCAR? <laughs> That's hilarious. We got a comedian in the house. Yes. Chess. Okay. Sports. Okay, yeah. Uh, skateboarding. Yeah, okay, I can see that, you know. Um, Someone wrote here, what is the hardest sport mentally? Someone wrote swimming. So I think if Rhea was upstairs, she's downstairs with the kids, she would probably say amen. Uh, Gymnastics. Uh, Mentally, I think that would be tough on that high beam. Doing those things, I'd be scared. I think mentally you would have to really. uh, Tennis. I think I remember my college roommate was a uh, varsity uh, scholarship tennis player, and I thought he was phenomenal. And at that time, I'm like, you seem to be as good as John McEnroe and, you know, Jimmy Connors. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself. Boris Becker. He's been in the news. <laughs> he's been in the news, sadly. Uh, but what he said was that the difference is uh, up here. Yeah, he can play really good for a set, you know, maybe go toe-to-toe with these guys that I mentioned, but um, five sets, that's a whole different type of mentality. So another hardest sport mentality, uh, baseball. Anybody think that? I I don't know. Soccer, yes. Um, So then another question, and you can, so it's definitely, this is a different question. There's mentally, and then what do you think the hardest sport to play is? Um, and Ross, do you have a, uh, uh, a guess? Uh, the skills a, baseball, a baseball, okay, so baseball. And so uh, I, I looked it up, and actually a lot of people do say it is baseball. They say that baseball is the most difficult skill sport because trying to hit a baseball that's coming at you at 90 plus miles an hour requires a tremendous amount of practice. Uh, and focus, and then you have to hit the ball, 
and you and then the pitcher throws a curveball or slowly uh, changes up the pitch, and so now you have to adjust. And so uh, it's not my opinion, but it's the opinion of of the sports writers that baseball is the most difficult. Matter of fact, it's so difficult that you, if you fail hitting the ball 70% of the time, but you succeed 30% of the time, that it's a good chance you'll make it to the Hall of Fame. So that's how hard it is. Um, what do you think the easiest sport is? <laughs> no, uh, it's running. Sorry, Natalie. Running. Uh, I'm just the messenger, you know, little two-year-old, three-year-old Hadley can run, you know, so uh, we're not talking about long distance, and I'm just having fun. So, uh, relax. I'm trying to make a point here, and what do you think the point is? Don't say it out loud. The point is that everybody has their own opinion, right? And so everybody thinks, you know, I remember we had a family discussion with Ross that we thought, I don't even know what the, my boys were arguing with. Was it soccer that was harder? Okay, and so and, and Ross chuckles. But it was a heated argument in the family with Ross. So the question I have for you, and, and again, we'll have all sorts of opinions, and we started talking about it last week, is what is the role of the church? Well, when you ask that question, everybody has opinion. Everybody has an opinion. A long, long time ago when I was in college at Bible school, there was a book that I came across, and it was written decades ago, and it was called Christ and Culture by Richard Neighbor. Anybody's ever read the book? It's about 40 years old plus. Um, and I remember being challenged by this book, which led me to reread the Bible to be more uh, diligent in reading the scriptures. I'm going to throw up a verse up there, Romans 12, 1 through 2, and, uh, and I'd like for you to read it with me out loud. You ready? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The apostle uh, Paul pleads with his readers to avoid the pressures of being conformed by the pattern of this world. And the challenge for the listeners of the passage, original listeners, and us, is how can we do that as a church? How can we do that at Mosaic Church? And, and how do we do that in the year 2022? I'm not sure about you, but do you feel the the tension about being part of this world and not of this world. And I don't know if you feel it, but I feel it. There are some people who say this, that we need to, uh, it's called Christ against the culture. And so uh, I'm going to describe them uh, real briefly, so it's not an exhaustive description. But uh, it's when the church separates itself from culture and becomes its own culture. And it has its own strengths and weaknesses. And I can think of uh, communities up in Ohio and Pennsylvania that do this. And you know them, uh, what I'm talking about, the Amish. So this is Christ against the culture. Where they separate itself from the, what they would call the worldly culture. And they have their, its own 
culture. I think there's some wisdom in that. However, I do see some issues. And again, this is uh, from my perspective. I think what happens a lot of times is that you can freeze uh, your, in, this culture into a, like a time warp. And, and you can think of the Amish when, you, you, when I'm explaining this. And, and again, I think Christ against the culture fails to completely set you apart. The problem is that you can take Lot out of Sodom, but you can't, the difficulty, if we, you remember when we did that whole sermon series, is the difficulties that you take Sodom out of Lot. And so you isolate your community, but you realize that you have sinful issues in, even in your isolated community. Does that make sense to you? There's even a, a TV show uh, based on a true story but these were Mennonites, they weren't Amish. It's funny, I was telling my friend who was a Mennonite, I said, hey, there's a story about this Amish community that they were actually, uh, they were actually drug dealers, and this is in California, uh, Canada. They were, they were transporting cocaine from Canada into the United States. And he's like, the Amish? And then I texted him back, it's like, oh, my mistake is, he goes, the Mennonites. He's like, oh, okay, I believe that. And so... Uh, I'm sorry, Amber's not here too. Uh, she has Mennonite background. But, uh, no. So I don't remember the name of the show actually. So, but there was a show and it's, and it's based on a true story. Then there's the Christ of culture. Here's another view. People with this view tend to see Christ as the leader of their nation and their culture as a Christian one. The problem I see here with that kind of view is that I struggle when I read the scriptures that Jesus, uh, specifically, I don't see where he came down, where he was born and he died on the cross to save a culture or to save some sort of political nation. I know that he came to seek and save the lost, and most of us, and most of all, we know that Jesus is the head of the church. It's a spiritual body. So this is where I, I struggle with uh, the Christ of culture. There's another verse I'd like for us to read together. It's Colossians 1, 15 through 23. It says this, and read it with me. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in, in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. We can pause there. There's another view of what the role of the church is in culture is what they would call Christ above culture. This view holds that you, sh you should not, um, let me make sure I read it, there should not be any tension between the culture and Christ. The problem is that, is the issue in this view is that it's between man and God and culture is just the backdrop of which we live in. And the, and the culture is where cr the church gets to reveal Christ to the world 
and it's acts of grace. I don't want to say which type of churches think this, but a lot of times these are the same churches that uh, only uh, think about the social, uh, what I would call the social gospel. And I understand that, that we do need to make, it's one of the reasons we're doing uh, the backpacks is to make a difference in the culture. But I, my issue is that when the gospel is only used to save the human condition, and yet ignoring the plight of the human soul. So that's why we are uh, partnering with Connections Church, a uh, Bible-believing, spirit-filled church that works specifically with the homeless is because it's not, they're not just trying to feed their bellies, but also to help their soul to come to know Christ. View uh, people that just have this view, churches that just have this view, sometimes ignore uh, Romans six, because Bible like this says in Romans six, our Bible says, "For the wages of sin is death." Verse twenty three, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. So uh, here at Mosaic Church, we will talk about that the wages of sin is death because we are also concerned about your soul. There's another view of what the role of the church is in culture, and um, this is a view that I, I, uh, I resonate with. This approach recognizes the tension. There's this tension that exists between Christ and culture, that the church is redeemed and spiritual in nature, but because of our flesh, we're very much a part of this world and the culture we live in. This reminds me, if you have your Bibles, and we're not going to turn there, but you can read there the tension that Paul talks about in, Revela I mean, in Romans chapter 7 and 8, where he argues uh, and he talks about the struggles with his sin nature, sin culture of his humanity but he always reminds us, nevertheless, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? So I personally identify with this, this view that, the, uh, that there's a tension between uh, being a person of Christ and the culture that we live in. However, there is, I would say, um, a fault or a shadow side to it. Uh, the author of this book that uh, he, he originally talked about, this guy named Neighbor, uh, says that we can fall prey to being indifferent. Indifferent. You know what indifference is, right? You don't really care. You don't care about the, the plight of someone's soul, and you don't care about the plight of someone's condition, human condition. And so... Uh, uh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, so, you know, so what? You know, I'm saved. And so that can be the, the challenge for us as a church. Um, we can isolate ourselves and say, you know what? I give up. I'm not going to make a difference. And that's an easy thing to do, right, isn't it? Then they, there's a view of the church is what they would call Christ the transformer of culture. The author, John Neighbor says, he's, he calls him uh, conversion, uh, 
converse, conversionalist, conversionalist, basically converse and conversion, who have a hopeful view of culture. This is interesting. The view suggests that culture is part of God's creation and so subject to his grace. And I understand that. So, however, this view is that they believe that the church's role is to Christianize the culture. So, we must go into politics. We must get into the entertainment business. We must get into the business clubs and the social clubs and operate with this mind, this view in mind that we are to Christianize the culture. When I read this and I understand it, my eyebrow does raise a little bit because we know in Colossians chapter one, he says he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. First uh, Colossians 1.13, Paul does not say he lifted up the domain of darkness. Is it, do you hear the difference? It's, so he didn't lift up the culture, but he delivered us. So there's this tension that we all have to deal with. And I, I'm telling you, I, as I go over these, these uh, views of culture, I can, you know, I can pinpoint certain groups or organizations or churches and how they fall in. However, just like I think soccer is the hardest sport out there, um, and some of you might think it's baseball or gymnastics or whatever you guys mentioned. I, um, I know that I may have a natural bent to see how I see uh, the scripture. So you may not agree with me. You may think, well, we should uh, Christ the transformer of culture, or we should Christ and culture, uh, Christ above the culture, or we should uh, isolate ourselves and Christ against the culture. But I struggle in scripture where it says that we must Christianize the culture. However, I am persuaded that we are to proclaim Christ to the world. And to me, that's a little different. That we are to proclaim Christ to the world. So what's the answer? So let me ask you another question before we move on. What is the best movie of all time? I know, I know what you're thinking. Goonies, uh, Star Wars, Matrix, or, or Lord of the Rings. Now I know if I were to ask you and you would tell me what you think is the best movie ever and we would have differences of opinions. But I could tell you, I feel very strongly uh, here at Mosaic Church, one of the things that I know, whatever view that you might have, the, the most important thing is is that we would have the culture of Christ in living in us. The culture of Christ. And I pray, and I'm not going to do it, ask you to say it out loud, but if I were to ask you, what is the culture of Christ? My son and I, my, all my kids and I, we, we listen to different podcasts and they will say, hey, did you listen to this? And did you listen to that? And, and a lot of times it's different perspectives. And, and one thing I always want to make sure and I challenge my kids is, is, is this presenting a perspective where it's the culture of Christ. And so yes, there's justice, but you can't 
just have justice, you must have forgiveness and grace and mercy. And you can't just have grace and forgiveness and mercy without justice. And so sometimes, a lot of, or a lot of times, what we do is we have this, uh, what we call spiritual sweet tooth that we always go to. And one of the challenges that we all have it, you may not know it, but we all have it. I have it. That we all tend to, to lean this particular way theologically. You know, we all maybe lean uh, justice and, and you know, uh, judgment. And then some might lean specifically towards mercy and forgiveness. And then this Christian camp is mad at that Christian camp. And this Christian camp is mad at them. And next thing you know, we have this tension going on um, in the, the body of Christ. But I'm here to tell you is that what we need is a culture of Christ. And so one of the ways you can make sure that we have a culture of Christ is that we have to hold fast to the word of God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. My son Micah here is, uh, is on a fast pace of learning the, of the things of the Lord theologically. I'm just so proud of him. And one thing he would say is that when he would listen to a podcast, like they didn't even mention the scriptures at all. And so when someone doesn't mention the scriptures at all, that should be a little flag saying, okay, okay, maybe they're referencing scripture, but maybe at least acknowledge that. And so one of the things that we can help us as a church to have a culture of Christ is to hold fast to the word of God. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It ain't going to happen without the word of God. Sometimes we like to define the Bible what we think it says, and that's what I'm trying not to do. And somehow we allow the culture to determine the meaning. But we have to be careful. Without the inspired word of Christ, there cannot be a culture of Christ. God's word is, is uh, from, uh, fashioned from culture, yes. Uh, from history, yes. Language. But we must never lose sight of the fact that he uses these to reveal himself to man. And so for us to maintain the culture of Christ in this church, we must maintain the key teachings of the Bible because the Bible is a book from God. It is not a book from man. And we have to remember that. And Mosaic Church is, we believe that, that the, the word of God is the word of God. Galatians 1, 6 through 8 says this, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Well, how are you going to know if it's a, it's a different gospel if you don't know what the real gospel is? And you do that by reading his word. What it says in verse 7, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. That's serious, but you have to read it. Too many of us have the Bible in front of us, but we don't read it. Uh, we are uh, biblically illiterate. 
So let me challenge you to read your word. So another thing in order to, con- to maintain a culture of Christ is I would say is to preach the gospel. The gospel that's in the Bible. Okay, that's important. All right, it's the gospel that's in the Bible. And the gospel that's in the Bible might be offensive, but it's still the gospel in the Bible. The gospel is what produces that culture of Christ. We are a saved people, a congregation of the redeemed. We're uh, saints. We're a kingdom of priests. We've been blessed beyond measure. This is our culture. This is our heritage. We are Christians. But I want you to listen carefully. We are Christians, but before we were Christians, we were hopelessly lost. And we were condemned because of our own sins. And by God's grace, he saves us through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. So we have to be careful that we're, if we're gonna preach, let's make sure we preach the gospel, the whole truth. And it's one of the main reasons we do the Apostles' Creed every Sunday because although it doesn't encompass everything that we believe in, it covers the majors and uh, sometimes even in my message or in the worship songs, we might be leaning one way theologically, our sweet tooth, but the saying the Apostles' Creed is, is that, you know, it's coming back to judge the living and the dead. Judge. What does that mean? Well, there's going to be a judgment, you know. Um, and so those kind of things that maybe we don't necessarily talk about every week. Uh, and, but we want to make sure when you leave these doors that you know uh, where we stand as a church. We want to make sure we preach the gospel that's in the Bible. The gospel is what produces the culture of Christ. That's why we did the, the, um, the Beatitudes. Because Jesus says, go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And, and those words are, are saying, okay, we have to go back and figure out what God com- Jesus commanded us as his disciples, and let's do those things. I am reborn, and you are reborn because of what Jesus did. Not because I'm part of some culture. One last verse I'd like for us to read together, 1 John 4. It's a long one, but let me tell you, it just spells it out. We're living in a world where things are getting convoluted, and I just want to make sure we're clearing things up. What does it mean to be a church? How do, we, how do we interact with the culture? Dear friends, you can see it, First uh, John 4, do you have that? It's all right, I'll read it, but if you find it, just catch up. First John uh, chapter 4, NIV, right? You don't have the NIV? Ah, I did ask that question, right? I did, okay. Let me just read it from the NIV. It's a little bit easier for me to read. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh 
is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. And then he goes on to talk about what does it actually mean? Dear friends, let us love, talk about a, a culture of Christ. You want to know if you have a culture of Christ? Here it is. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. God is love. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. I want to just tell you a quick story as we come to close soon. Um, and I mentioned this on social media a long, long time ago, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my wife under the bus here for a second. Um, I, I caught my wife not behaving in a Christ-like attitude. I don't want to go into details, but it was in traffic, all right? I was so um, I was so disillusioned by her attitude. I yelled at her. Do you see the irony in that? I yelled at her, and I chastised her in the car. I was mean to her because she was mean to the strange driver down the road. And immediately, I was convicted because I did not have the culture of Christ in my life in that moment. This is how God showed his love in verse nine. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. Lord, help me to live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. That's interesting that he uses the word atoning. Sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So that little funny story I told you, I literally caught my, I literally walked into sin to rebuke a sin. In the last Bible verse I'd like to read, uh, you don't have to read First uh, Peter, but this is another way to have that culture of Christ is to live holy lives. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which you you were uh, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behaviors. You see how I failed to have the culture of Christ. But the Bible tells us in 1 Peter to be holy yourselves in all your behavior. So I'm not trying 
to Christianize the culture. I'm trying to have the culture of Christ in my life. In Romans 12, Paul talks about resisting the culture's effort. What? Here's the challenge for us. The challenge is is that we need to have the culture of Christ and not allow the culture to de-Christianize the church. You may want to write that down, but I'm telling you, we are in um, special times, at least in our lifetime for sure. So we need to proclaim that the Bible is God's word. We need to preach the Bible, the good news of the Bible, and we need to live holy lives as a culture of Christ in every situation. We need to do our part as a church. I want to finish with this last story, and it's a true story, of what I would call a culture of Christ. It's very unique because it happened inside a Christian culture or a culture that they were against the culture. In 2006, on October 2nd, a milkman named Charles Roberts walked into an Amish community schoolhouse and killed five little girls. Anybody remember the story? It's a while ago, but... The girls were the ages between 6 and 13. And then he took the gun and took his own life. And sadly, we have seen this over and over in our culture. But in this Amish girls community shooting, there was a different response than the typical response that we see happening after these shootings. The killer's family reported that only hours after the shooting, the family had visitors and they were from the Amish community and they went there to provide the shooter's family with comfort and forgiveness. Can you see the culture of Christ? One Amish man literally held, the sh- the f- held on and embraced the shooter's father in his arms while the grieving dad sobbed. It goes on. The Amish community did several things that made them stand out, in my opinion. They invited the shooter's wife to attend the funeral of the little girls. And they allowed the wife to read a letter of apology on behalf of the family. And then it goes on. 30 people from the Amish community attended the funerals, the killer's funeral. And it goes on. The Amish group set up a charitable fund for the family of the shooter because he left behind a widow and three children. 
When I, I remembered this story and I reread it, I'm just reminded the culture of Christ. It's not easy, is it? It's not easy. And I don't know how I would respond, to be honest with you. But I pray that I would respond in any circumstances to have the, I mean, I, I tell you, I don't know how I respond, but in even a, in a lighter moment, I just yelled at my wife for being mean to some driver. I mean, I didn't even pass that one. But I'm asking the Lord to help me to have the culture of Christ. To help me to have the culture of Christ. To help me to have a culture of Christ. Even in this Amish 18th century culture, they had a culture of Christ. And I'm praying that here at Mosaic Church that we would have a culture of Christ living in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness towards us. Lord, help us to be Christ-like in all circumstances. Lord, help us even in tough circumstances. Lord, we know through your scripture it says we can do all things through Christ. And Lord, those all things, Lord, we want to have a culture of Christ living in us. Lord, help me in those moments of high tension or anxiety or all those moments of spontaneous moments. Lord, I pray, God, that I would have a, a culture of Christ. And Lord, that we would have peace and joy and love, long-suffering, patience. Lord, the culture of Christ living in us. Lord, help us. Start with me. Start with us. And help Mosaic Church to be a church that has the culture of Christ, no matter our circumstances, no matter our situation. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just want every head bowed, every eye closed. And it's just going to be an easy question. Just raise your hand. Uh, but you're, you're going to say, Pastor Mario, I, I want to have that culture of Christ in all areas of my life. Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. If not all hands, many hands up. Lord, you can put your hands down. Lord, I'm putting my hand up first. Oh, Lord, I, Lord, help me to have a culture of Christ wherever I go. Lord, I don't, you know, the, the different views. I don't know, you know, what the perfect answer is. But Lord, I do know no matter which view I have, Lord, I want to make sure I have the culture of Christ living in me. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help me to, when I talk about the gospel, make sure I preach the gospel that's found in the Bible. And Lord, help me to live a life holy and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Well, thank you, church family. I pray that you would uh, remember to have that culture of Christ living in you uh, throughout the week, months, years, and life. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We are dismissed, and if you are a church... We want to thank you for listening. 
We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.